The scripture today is from the 18th chapter of Genesis. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, my Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves and that after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, there in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had been ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old, and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, oh yes, you did laugh. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Kelly. Let's pray. God, you promise that when your word is spoken and your story proclaimed, that your spirit comes. Let this be so today. Amen. Location matters. This story takes place at the Oaks of Mamre. Previously, when Abraham and his nephew Lot split, Abraham claimed this space and built an altar to God there. And just a chapter previous to this story, Abraham was circumcised at this same place, binding himself to God's covenant. And maybe that is why he is lying leisurely at the opening of the tent in a somewhat healing position. And eventually, this same place will be the burial site for Abraham and his family. So the Oaks of Mamre is holy ground, a place where God has come so close to intertwine the divine with human, to speak a promise and a call, a promise that Abraham has been chosen and will receive land and more descendants than the stars in the sky. The problem, though, is quite apparent and insurmountable. Abraham and Sarah have been infertile and now far past the age of conceiving. What an outlandish claim for God to make, 
to speak a promise into something so obviously impossible. And so Abraham and Sarah hear and receive this seemingly unobtainable promise, and then they wait for something to happen, for a baby to come. But the descendants, as promised, do not come as they anticipate. So Sarah, in her own insecurity, tells Abraham to get this going, to have a baby instead with one of their slaves. And so Ishmael was born and lived as he was to be the chosen descendant, the one to carry on God's promise. So it seems like an ordinary day in this sacred place. Abraham notices three men passing by, so he gets up from his lounging spot and greets them, invites them to wash up, to cool off, and to have some lunch. Fresh cakes, curds and milk, and veal are freshly served. The, the men quite blatantly ask about Abraham's wife, Sarah. And so subtly, did you hear it? Without even noticing, we hear that one of the men is revealed as God, herald, heralding a promise that in due time, Sarah will bear a son. God's voice, loud enough to be overheard, carries into the tent, and Sarah belly laughs at this assertion. She thinks to herself, hmm, when did old women start having babies? This is preposterous, absurd. Plus, by the way, since I knew I could not conceive, I had Abraham choose another mating partner. This promise that you had envisioned is actually already in progress. But even before Sarah can finish her own thought bubble, God rebuffs, you will bear a son. Is anything too extraordinary for God? You probably could have heard a pin drop on that desert floor. A word speaks into life's impossibility to fulfill what it has promised. The word is not too concerned that another attempt to fulfill this promise has been humanly initiated. Sarah gasps at the thought and denies her own laughter just for God to reveal again that she cannot hide her doubt. And so that promise awkwardly lingers in the air, wafting in the smell of smoked meat and fresh cakes there in the desert heat. There is no resolve in that meeting, but another undeniable encounter with the divine. A promise is spoken that does not make the way forward any clearer, and it does not erase what already has occurred. Yet something happens, and something will happen, although not humanly comprehended yet. What is shattered in that encounter is an expected closed future. And this is why the struggle and why faith is such a scandal. To believe that something deemed impossible can actually be fulfilled. 
It's so much easier to take matters into our own hands and make something happen rather than just to wait and to trust. To trust in a promise despite the reality and the limits that speak differently. And so Abraham and Sarah's story become a pivotal story of both faith and disbelief. They were chosen, but they were not without fault or impatience. They were not always models of this faith, and as we hear today, they're filled with human doubt and failed attempts with all the bumps and bruises of any family trying to figure out what is to happen when nothing is happening. And this impossibility of God is not limited to babies being miraculously born. It hits the expectations of a limited future throughout the rest of the Bible, from a widow being fed for days with just a jar of meal, to a paralyzed man getting up and walking, to jars of water turning into wine, to feeding thousands of hungry people in the desert with just a few loaves and fish, and finally to a dead man rising. God's promise it made true is not just an easy button for all of our life's request, for what we think is needed. What is fulfilled is everything God has promised to create a future for the world, not just to meet our desires and how we expect them to be met. And this is what is so hard to understand about God. Abraham was never able to see all the land and descendants that he was promised, yet they were a part of the story. Abraham and Sarah started it, bearing a child finally on their own. And so we are given these stories to read, to hear, and God's Holy Spirit promises to create faith and to interact with all humankind and creation to make this real. Now, there's another facet of this story that calls us to ponder. When did God begin appearing as strangers who meet us unexpectedly on the way? God comes to speak promise in the most unlikely places and in the most unexpected people right when we are not ready to hear it. I sometimes peek into the construction area after the workers have gone home. I went outside this past week and I looked at that year marker, 1968, carved into stone at the edge of the building. The Vietnam War was going on. Lyndon B. Johnson as president. Martin Luther King Jr. was shot that year and many of us were not even born. That was the beginning of the new Mount Olivet Church that was dedicated that year. An altar was built, a pulpit and a font. No circumcisions, but instead God's word and water sprinkled on heads was the place where God's promise was made real and young and old were called into God's mission here at Mount Olivet. 
I wonder what the reaction would have been 51 years ago if a stranger entered that place and whispered in the ears of those gathered that someday that space would be a community room filled with round tables, a commercial-grade kitchen that now has its own manager, and that we would be serving a free meal to anyone who passed by. And we would be working with people from other community organizations. Most of those organizations 51 years ago, we had no idea that they would be a part of Mount Olivet's vision. This church has had failed attempts at the, at the rebuilding of that side of the building. Maybe a reminder to all of us that it's not all about us knowing the timing. And we will continue, I'm sure, to have misses and take matters into our own hands rather than waiting for God to make a way. Yet what will hold us, as it has done all these years, is this time of worship. To dwell in these stories that teach, that proclaim, and that nourish us with faith to persevere, and the guts and the bravery to act in this world. And then we're called back to this meal, the place where forgiveness is poured out and a promise is made to feed us along the way. We'll never get this fully figured out, but God's presence and promise continue to meet us on the way, to make known God's future made known through us. We will stumble and doubt, yet God's promise and a future for us in the world has been uttered, and it will be fulfilled. Now you get to finish this story. It was Abraham's response to these strangers traveling through that prompted this lavish outpouring of food and rest. And here at that unexpected table in the desert, God spoke and a way was made. What does hospitality look like to you? What does hospitality mean to you? Think about that. And after the service, we invite you to write your answer on an apron that's out on the table in the Welcome Center. Those aprons will be used in our community meal. Amen.